I'm Sienna, the kid. I'm Sarah, the mom. Whether you're a young person wanting to learn more about these issues or their parent wanting to find ways to connect, we want you to join us as we tackle some important subjects. If you can't have these conversations in your household yet, we hope to help by having them here. Welcome to Queer Kids Straight Mom. Let's talk. Welcome back to Queer Kids Straight Mom, our episode number four. Today, we're going to talk about the recent election and the results and what they mean for the LGBTQ plus community. This was a fascinating election. LGBTQ candidates ran in record numbers this year and won the ballot in every state in the United States for the first time ever. A lot of the right-wing candidates spent huge amounts of money on anti-trans messaging in their campaigns, obviously thinking that was a good way to turn people off of their opponents. LGBTQ people running in record numbers and these anti-trans messages from right-wing candidates, I think were both spurred by this sort of surge in legislation that has been introduced lately. LGBTQ candidates seeing the importance of having a voice in the room and the GOP seeing that they've had some success in using this messaging as sort of the save our children cry du jour that appeals to a certain demographic. Fortunately, voters seemed kind of to be undistracted by this in a lot of places. And LGBTQ candidates actually had a 60% win rate in their races. So First of all, let's talk about why this matters. There were a lot of firsts. You know, we've got our first two openly lesbian governors, you know, first trans legislators in a a few states, you know, a lot of gains that we haven't seen before. Some would say, why focus on these parts of their identities instead of their ability to legislate? You know, why is this something that people are talking about? Why is it so important to specifically recognize the LGBTQ identities of these winning candidates? I mean, I would say it's just like anything else. I mean, with any other marginalized group, whether that's people of color, whether that's women, whether that's religious minorities, um, generally, I would say it's desirable to have a governing body that's representative of all the different identities that exist within a constituency. And LGBTQ plus people are becoming a more and more visible part of, of every constituency in the United States. So I think it's important that our voices are being represented, um, especially because there are issues that are important to us, you know, the ability to update government identification with um, names and gender markers, for instance, or adding LGBTQ plus people to as protected classes to anti-discrimination statutes, all of that kind of thing. You know, there are things that, that if you are not familiar with the community or you haven't experienced issues relating to those, you might not understand why they're so important. Whereas um, for members of the queer community, we're always going to be more sensitive to that. And, and that's going to be more on our radar. Makes sense. So representation in office, to me, the obvious answer to that has always been it's another vote in favor of bills that are helpful to the LGBTQ community. But I saw this really interesting point from the vice president of political programs for Victory Fund, 
which is a group that focuses on campaign issues and candidates in the LGBTQ community. Then he was talking about the transgender candidates that have won. Until folks in Montana and so many other places see LGBTQ people in office, they're going to keep beating us up and they're going to keep attacking us legislatively. We're just going to be an amorphous enemy as opposed to a smiling face that's sitting next to them. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I hadn't really thought about that angle before, that it's also your colleague. Mm -hmm. And I think any situation where there's sort of that humanization of somebody that the right-wing movement has found a lot of traction in dehumanizing. Well, and if you talk to any member of a legislative body, they're going to tell you that you really have to get to know the people that you're working with and you have to be able to cooperate with people that you might disagree with on some things in order to get other things done. And for all the, the political controversy and the nonsense that we hear about, I think most people would say when they actually are representing a body in the legislature that it it really is a job where you have to be willing to cooperate. So yeah, makes a lot of sense. So a potential danger in my mind of talking about this, celebrating it and bringing it to people's attention is that transphobic and homophobic people might get that sensation that their country is being taken over, right? They are all of a sudden hearing all these people that are going to be making laws and they find these people threatening and immoral. Is this a downside of talking about this to you? I think, first of all, it's not necessarily a matter of talking about it because we saw a similar phenomenon with Trump getting elected right after Obama. Sometimes when there's progress made, especially in the political realm, there's a lot of backlash towards it. Um, but that's not a reason to not try to make progress or not to acknowledge the progress that has been made, in my opinion, because if we cater to the idea that, well, if, what if people get mad and then there's backlash and then bad things happen, then that's just doing those people's jobs for them. Yeah, good way to look at it. Another thing I've been thinking about in watching this is just seems to me an incredibly brave thing to go into politics as an openly gay or transgender person. Because you know that a certain contingent is going to attack you not only because they don't like your politics, but they're going to come after you personally. I just saw a few days ago, Pete Buttigieg had put out a statement about the nightclub attack in Colorado Springs. I don't know. Did you see this? Mm -mm. So good old Tucker Carlson, you could do a whole episode on mm -hmm. things Tucker Carlson said. His his quote is, Pete Buttigieg wants to talk about identity. He always wants to talk about identity. And the funny, ironic thing is, just a few years ago, Buttigieg wouldn't even admit that he was gay. He hid that and then lied about it for reasons he has never been asked to explain. Why not? Wow. Uh-huh. So Pete Buttigieg came out at the age of 33. He said in his memoir that... At the time he graduated from college, he would have considered being gay a career death sentence. All of the reasons that he would have thought that are pretty obvious to us, I think. The idea of Tucker Carlson acting like there's anything to explain is obviously kind of smack you in the face irony, but it's a mean-spirited, belittling distraction, and mm -hmm. it adds to the long list of things public servants have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Coming out to the people you love is one thing. But doing it as a public figure and opening yourself up to those kinds of bullies with microphones and vast, somewhat unsophisticated listeners, that's a whole different thing. You're a person I know has considered 
running for office at some point. Does that kind of thing deter you at all? I wouldn't say that that in particular deters me. I think that's the kind of thing that I'm like, Tucker Carlson's talking about me. Okay, sure. I think I'm a person who tends to take less seriously the things that are just kind of comedic like that. What I find more difficult to deal with is the idea that there are people who are never going to admit that they have a problem with me because of my queerness, but it's still going to be influencing them and making them say, oh, I I just don't like them. I'm not really comfortable. I'm not comfortable with them making decisions that are going to affect my children. Yeah, that's been seeing the children thing thrown around so much. I'm hoping that what we saw in this election was a little bit of a statement that that's not just going to work. You can't rely on like trying to make us scared of transgender people Mm -hmm. and get us to vote for you. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of that. Like, I'm not going to say it's because of their sexuality or their gender identity. I'm just not comfortable with that person. And I mean, I think that's, again... A lot of what we saw directed towards Hillary Clinton, like, of course, no one was going to admit that, right, if people had just said, I'm not going to vote for her because she's a woman, like, that'd be like, wow, seriously. But no one was saying that. People were saying things like, well, she's just too rude. She's not responsible enough. She's too emotional. Like, all of these things that are really clearly coded as sexist, but that also give you plausible deniability, I think, to others and to yourself to be like, I'm not being sexist. Right. I would imagine that for LGBTQ candidates, it's the same thing we see with female candidates and people of color that you have to do it better, mm-hmm. smarter, more flawlessly than other people, because anything that a white middle-aged man might get away with, mm-hmm. you're not going to get away with. One thing that I noticed um, is I think that the campaign that Republicans have been kind of trying to lead over the last couple of years to really go after, especially trans people, kind of backfired on them in a way. And I'm hoping that this will continue. I'm thinking specifically about the case of Zoe Zephyr, who who was just elected as a representative in the Montana House. And she has specifically said that her decision to run for office was influenced by, like, she made that decision after She was testifying against the um, bill that was saying that was eventually passed that transgender kids need to play on the sports team corresponding to their assigned gender. And I remember her testifying because she was an athlete and her testimony was really, really amazing. And she specifically said that that's what made her choose to run. And she just got elected and she is Montana's first openly trans legislator, which I think is really cool. Mm hmm. It is interesting that that was that like it seems to be you just go after people and all the people that agree with you jump on the bandwagon because apparently it's so much fun to pick on people. I don't know if this is a sign of a broader trend or just, you know, something that happened in this election. But I like to think it's a greater trend that like I just get the feeling that some people, even if they were raised in a, say, a faith background that tells them that it's wrong to be gay or whatever, that they're just tired of the meanness, Mm -hmm. the villainization of people that we know science tells us that this is not something that people choose. Mm -hmm. People might choose to come out to actually live the life that everybody else gets to live without even having to think about it or justify it or explain it or fight for it. Mm -hmm. People make those choices, but like, I think generally people understand that it's not a choice to be gay. Mm -hmm. 
for example, and picking on people because of it is, I don't know. I think that we saw, and I've heard this speculated on in some other forums, that there was some success with people like Glenn Youngkin in his last election because he really did a great job at rallying parents around this sort of like parents' right thing. Mm-hmm. As a backlash to COVID restrictions, mm-hmm. there was so much rage over that from people that didn't think COVID was that big a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really successful for him. And well, now that COVID isn't the topic anymore, mm-hmm. we got to keep these soccer moms enraged about something. So let's convince them that there are going to be drag queens reading to them in their libraries and it's going to make them gay. And I don't know, I feel like. Some of these people won for sure. I feel like there's a decent part of the population that just was not there for that. Like, can we just solve problems? Let's not pretend that drag queens are the worst thing we have to worry about right now. Yeah, I mean, I imagine part of it was that, you know, they are specifically targeting a lot of like white suburban women because they're pretty swingy voters. And with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, they got nudged a lot more towards Democrats. And so I'd imagine that part of the, your kids are in danger from the homosexuals runaway, and also critical race theory is an attempt to kind of threaten those voters who might otherwise be more concerned about abortion rights back into like staying with the Republican Party. And you and I both know like good people who are basically kind of people that like buy this stuff. Mm-hmm. They believe it. They believe their kids are in danger. They. believed that schools are putting litter boxes in bathrooms for the furries. Like, people believed this. And we have yet to see what happens in the legislative session. And that's going to be another interesting thing to watch. You know, Mm -hmm. some of these, some of these state election results are going to play a role. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to be really relevant when it comes to legislative sessions. There have been more than 300 bills introduced around the country in the last year targeting access to gender affirming care, queer identity in schools and other areas impacting LGBTQ people in education, healthcare, sports. So we'll plan on doing an episode when legislative sessions are kind of starting up and outline some of the the bills that Mm -hmm. we'll be watching and see what happens and hope that some of this environment of like, let's solve problems and not waste time on these things mm-hmm. will carry through and um, keep some of these bills from going through. But overall, I think, you know, we went into this election kind of bracing ourselves mm-hmm. and got a little better news than than we expected. So yeah, for sure. I was definitely pleasantly surprised by a lot of the results. Yeah, that was good to see. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Queer Kids Straight Mom. In two weeks, we are going to be talking about how to survive the holidays with a homophobic and transphobic family. So that'll be a conversation that will hopefully be useful to some of our listeners because, you know, I know, I know that can be a really hard time, um, especially if you're young and don't have supportive family um, or if you don't typically engage with your family, but you are coming back for the holidays. We really want to make sure that you're able to get some support with that. So that should be a good episode. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and we will catch you next time. If you'd like to see more from us, please consider following us on Instagram and Facebook at queerkid.straightmom, Twitter at queerkidsstraightmom, that's straight with an eight. 
And if you have anything that you would like us to talk about on one of our next episodes, um, any questions or topics you'd like covered, please feel free to leave a comment on any of those social media pages. If you would like to help support us, you can rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And if you would really like to help us out, we have a Patreon under Queer Kids Straight Mom. Thanks so much.